This is the Powered Up Podcast, show 39. That open house or back to school night, whatever you call it, is a crucial event in the success of your year. And, you know, you hit on it, uh, you hit the nail on the head, in my opinion. It is the night where you really establish that bond of we are a team in driving your student towards success. Welcome to a real-world education with insight and advice from teachers in the game, where current and former educators reveal what truly sets apart the great teachers and what it takes to make a positive impact on students. Whether you're in pre-service learning, new to the game, or a seasoned veteran, this is the show for you. You'll leave feeling inspired to take action because we are powering education by empowering you. This is Ken Ehrman, host of the Powered Up Podcast, and I am here with my co-host, Mr. Matt Back to School Rogers. Matt, we are uh, we're recording on a night that shows your true dedication to uh, the show and just everything you get involved in. You had Back to School Night tonight. How was it? So we didn't actually have Back to School Night. Our school has uh, Meet the Teacher and then Curriculum Night, which essentially is Back to School, but... Um, the, the one emphasis is just getting comfortable in the space, meet your teacher. It's the, um, Wednesday before school starts the following week. And this is like two to three weeks into the school year. Come on in. Let's talk about really what we're doing. It honestly falls at a perfect time because we're actually starting instruction. And I mean, if you're an educator, you know, there's the time of like, Hey, it's great the beginning of the year it's pretty flexible lots of icebreakers getting to know the kids but you get this itch to get into instruction and creating structure and setting those standards that i would say about tuesday last week i was ready to be there so finally we're back into instruction which makes a conversation about curriculum pretty fresh and at the front of our mind so your your meet the teacher before the start of the school year with students. Does that involve students and families, or is it just families? Yeah. So predominantly, it is student led. Um, the students come in. We have a little scavenger hunt. I've done virtual reality where like I'd have different things with videos of myself. Um, I assumed that I would just be this hot button like banner, hey, I need to go talk to Mr. Rogers. The kids are way more interested in finding their space and who's in their class than even who you are. They already know who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've done different variations. I've done scavenger hunts. And more recently, it's just been an open flowing conversation, I think. Um, And can I kind of in that, that parent and family communication? I don't know if you feel this way, but I've I've felt like recently uh, my parent communication, my back to teacher, my my parent teacher conferences has slightly shifted from clinical and uh, super professional, like ultra professional, 
to treating others as human and allowing myself to reflect as a human as well. So I found this year just having an open conversation, come on in, choose your first day of school seat um, because we're not able to be as flexible quite yet was honestly a very smooth and relaxing connection, um, which we can kind of get into as well. Yeah, so uh, we happen to not have a guest with us tonight, which actually timed out well because I, I said to Matt, let's let's kind of dig into uh, his reflections on literally hosting his his back to school night or his curriculum night, as his district puts it, like an hour ago. So, you know, what would you say is the main takeaways that you walk into that? night before the parents get there that you want them walking out with you know what are your main objectives that you hope to convey and that you want parents to you know really understand and 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 walk out the door with i think any communication with parents and families at the beginning of the school year is anything to get them on your side and create a teamwork approach so when the last few years after talking to Ken, I've called the parents before even meet the teacher night. So they'd come in. I've already introduced myself and talked to them. Um, I don't know if that makes kids less interested or more interested in coming to back to teacher back to school and, and meet the teacher night. I usually have about 10 to 12 out of my 18 to 20 kids. So um, pretty decent numbers. I think we always wish it would be more. This one, um, as well as other parent communication, is just, hey, I kind of want to solidify the fact that, like, I am a professional. Here is the core focus, which is teaching your child instruction, because all the communication up to that point has really been, I want your kid to be comfortable and prepared to thrive in my environment. And then, hopefully, after we've established that, then we can jump into the concept of we're, we're really going to thrive by covering this and I'm excited to do this and here are my ideas here and this is what I need you to help me with um, so that we can make this as successful as possible. How well do you think parents walk out feeling confident in understanding what their students will be doing instructionally on a daily and weekly basis? It's a great question. I don't think curriculum night is uh, the only time that I should be sharing my curriculum. So at this point, we've had newsletters go home. We've had emails weekly going home of what is that rhythm. A lot of what curriculum night ends up being is referencing all of the communication and all of what the kids have brought home or shared about school up until that point. Um, It's kind of like conferences in a way, like conferences in my perspective is a great time to have a true progress report. I wish it was before actual progress reports. Hey, this is what you're noticing. A parent feels like they have a dedicated amount of time to, to have your ear and focus. It's a great conversation that leads often into goal setting. I think curriculum night ends up being the hey, you kind of have an idea of nightly homework or you kind of have an idea of the topics we're studying because you're talking to your child at home, but you have these lingering questions. 
that is at least the goal of curriculum night in my eyes. If I'm expecting in 25 minutes they're going to walk away and know everything and, and that's the first time and they need to master that concept, uh, just like teaching, I, I, I'm probably not going to get the results that I want. So what would you say is something if you look back on tonight or just in the past you've looked back on and you've adjusted presently, what are things that you were talking about during curriculum night that you realized was not relevant or just too much for them to consume? Or what are things that you look back on and say, you know what, it's just not important for this message to be communicated in this moment during this event? So I think it's a highlight run. I think that's the goal of curriculum night. It's what are you excited about? So in math, for instance, tonight what I did is we have six modules. I could talk about, okay, we're going to do addition, then subtraction, then multiplication. I can do that. Or I can say, you know what, in the first three modules, we're going to focus on mastering operations of whole numbers. Simply put, that's our goal. By the end of fourth grade, our goal is master operations so that the three other modules, uh, algebraic concepts and um, angles and measurement, those type things, are introductions of taking those mastered skills and applying them so that in fifth and sixth and seventh grade they can talk about higher level content. So it's my job to almost synthesize, this is what you need to know. Here are the major ELA concepts. We're gonna be doing opinion writing and personal narratives through American history, and we're going to intermix these things. In science, here are these general concepts. I don't need to list to you the different energy forms we're going to study. We're just going to say, oh, we're going to do a little bit of this, or a little bit of that. Hey, you know what? When we get to our ecosystems, if you can save plastic clear water bottles, because you'll be super pumped when you see what we're doing with them. Here are general expectations, and then a time for questions. And I know, and this is maybe counterintuitive. I know that it went well if there aren't parent questions. Mm -hmm. And usually, like, we should probably poll or do a, an assessment. Hey, did I actually do a ticket out the door? Did I hit as much as I did? Many parents are there just to show that they're in support. They trust you. They believe that you're doing the right thing. Some parents have very personal questions. Hey, I noticed this happened with my child and another student. That's not the time for it. Those type things absolutely happen. But my goal is to really show, honestly, why I'm excited to be the instructor that year. Right. How, uh, how many parents did you have, or families, I should say, attend? So you said you usually get about 10 to 12 out of 18 to 22 for your uh, meet the teacher, which can be the students and the parents. So for curriculum night, what is your average in terms of, you know, is it 50%, 75%? Where does that usually fall? I would say it's between that 50 and 75%. And I think what's interesting is, um, and Ken, I'd love to hear your side of it too. When you're doing A, awesome things in the classroom, parents are more interested in being uh, involved in that classroom. If you're being transparent, and if you're communicating, like I would, I have always been really proud that I've had a conference with all but one or two parents in both the fall and the spring. 
I've never had a parent say, oh, it's not even worth me coming in. And it's not that I don't communicate other times of the year. It's just we have a really valuable conversation. Every time that I communicate with a family, my goal is for it to be valuable for them. Hey, this is what I would love to see. If you think of something that you can share and help me out, open door policy, those type things. So attendance is, for these type things, they are optional. Curriculum night is optional. So what did I do? I took my slides and a video recording and I sent it to all, all my parents. They all have access to it, but if they use it, it doesn't necessarily matter. They trust me because I've created that um, bond and, and that level of communication that as something pops up, I'm there for them. At least that's what I like to think is, is what's going on. No, I, I think you hit on a lot of really important things to consider for back to school night, open house curriculum night, whatever your district calls it. And, you know, I think so often teachers look at this event as one more thing in the beginning of the school year, one more thing that's added stress, added work. And it is, and the beginning of the school year is incredibly busy for teachers. I think now more than ever with the increase in technology, there's more to set up. There's so much to do in the beginning of a school year, but that open house or back to school night, whatever you call it, is a crucial event in the success of your year. And, you know, you hit on it. Uh, you hit the nail on the head, in my opinion. It is the night where you really establish that bond of we are a team in driving your student towards success. And this is one of those moments where you can you can really solidify it. And for when I was teaching fifth grade, our back to school night was uh, before we started school. So we did also have meet the teacher where the students could come in during the in-service day. And then one of those nights during our, our opening in-service week was back to school night. And so after probably five or six years in the classroom, I started to really re reflect and think about what is the purpose of this night? What am I hoping to accomplish and what our parents walking away with and it was very curriculum focused it was here are the units here are the reading log expectations here are the homework expectations it was all of those types of components that are important for parents to notice and to know but when we did it before the school year they hadn't even seen this stuff before so it was very confusing to them they really didn't understand what i was talking about you know you talked about yours being now week three they've kind of seen that stuff so i think it's a little bit more valuable to circle back around those those important items that are a part of the daily or weekly expectations but the reality is too is it was just information overload from you know whether we did we started as a grade level and then we broke up into our homerooms regardless of the path we went it was information overload and then my last realization was I typically had about 50 to 70% attending. So what about if it was so important for parents to hear, I'm only communicating it to 50 to 70% of the parents. So if it truly is important, what am I going to do about that? And, you know, you could have the attitude of, well, you know, it's the parents' responsibilities to come. Well, it is, but you always have to remember, we have parents that work multiple jobs and they literally cannot go. They might be on vacation and you know what vacation is really important for families too and so you know i started i stopped and said okay i am making tonight all about establishing that team establishing how excited i am talk about the things that i love about fifth grade and 
that I really look forward to doing and that I think students always genuinely get excited about and that they are um, they walk away with as their like happiest and, and most proud moments of the year. And then I just real quick said, here are things that are important logistically that will become more important come week three, week four of the school year. I'm going to screencast all this information and send it home when it actually is timely. And so that, again, was my way of allowing them to kind of walk out with the thing that I wanted most, which was we're a team, and not worry about memorizing all that information. And then I can send that information to everyone, kind of like you said about, you know, recording those those slides, because you're never going to have everyone attend. And it, regardless of why parents don't go, the reason doesn't matter. It's our job to communicate with them. And I really like how you said that this is just one night in line with all of your communication that leads up to it and all of your communication that, that follows from it. And that, that parent communication, whether you're a kindergarten teacher or you're a teacher of seniors, that parent communication is super important. It looks different when you're teaching different grade levels or you're secondary versus elementary. But regardless, that communication with parents at home is, is so important to your success and your success with the students. I totally agree. And I, I think that there's other things to consider, and it's hard because we're not in other people's shoes. Um, I, I thought, you know what, I wish the, uh, honestly, I wish more people were there. And then I realized that there are sporting events that are, there's practices. And I also realized that I'm a fourth grade facilitator. And many of these kids have second and first and kindergarten facilitators that are just learning school. And, you know, they're in fourth grade, fifth grade for you, Ken, starting to be self-sufficient and, and to not necessarily, necessarily take it as an ego hit. Um, but I would definitely say that I, I struggled with judgment mm -hmm. um, early on in this position to say, you know what, if it was my kid, well, right. I, don't have, I don't have kids. I right. don't know the circumstances. I don't know the reasons. they could be teachers. That could Absolutely. be why they're not there because they're a teacher themselves and they have it the same night. Completely. So I, I think that that's a – one of the things that I, I would say that I shifted my mindset is to try and have grace for others more recently and create grace in my classroom. And I think that's been a key term, uh, whether you want to say it's this time of year specific, it's your level of comfort with school, your level of comfort with the world in general. But hey, you know what? You know, if, I may not be perfect. We're going to try some great things. Uh, we're going to try some exciting things. There are going to be times that your kids come home super excited to tell you what they did. And then there's also going to be a level of expectation if they don't meet it that we're going to hold them accountable and i think that that's another aspect of saying you know what there are going to be good days and there's going to be some challenging days and it's all a part of the plan uh, i there is no purpose like i'm not sitting here saying i don't want your kids to come home after a good day but i want you to recognize that there's probably a reason behind your kids response whether they're stressed out about something or honestly they acted out in a way that they knew they hadn't all year long because standards are set 
in classrooms of structure and expectation. Those are the two biggest things, and they go hand in hand. The curriculum is after the fact. And I think that's why we're all craving right now to get into instruction, because it lends itself to structure, and it lends itself to the idea of just leaning into those expectations. And so once we get into a rhythm, it's uh, it becomes a much, you know, those five-day weeks fly, because it's not so much choppy. We had three four-day weeks, and I love it from my personal side, uh, kind of working back into it, but you're counting on that next day to finish up this, and you have all these loose ends, and um, it's, it's a, a beautiful thing, but it's a, it's a tough time of year to also be conveying uh, what it is that we need to be transitioning to. Yeah, and you know, my former principal really pushed our staff to just kind of rethink back to school night, like I said, and, and really pay attention to the emotional human factor. And, you know, to the point of parents not being there, again, you want as many as possible there. But, you know, look at that empty seat of, you know, if they're sitting in their, their kids seats, look at that empty seat and and tell me that you're, you're not going to do everything you can to make sure that child succeeds, regardless of their parents being there or not. So it's super important for us to continue to communicate with parents to help them help their child as much as possible. And, you know, the other thing that I, I tried to look at and say, okay, the procedural stuff. In this list of procedural stuff that I would typically do, how much of this can be conveyed through a simple email, through a simple screencast, through a simple form of digital communication? And it really was all of it. And then I said, okay, conveying the message of being there for the kids, being their biggest champion when they're in school, that is a message that I cannot convey as well through that form of digital communication. And someone pointed this out to me, and it it was a big realization. This was before I had kids as well. A student spends more time, especially for an elementary teacher, but you know, even secondary can be applied just across all teachers, they spend more time in school with that teacher or teachers than they spend with their parents Monday through Friday. If you eliminate sleep from their from their time home, I mean, in reality, it's a few hours at night, and it's a couple hours in the morning, they're spending more time with that adult or adults on a daily basis. All those parents care about most is do they feel comfortable with their child being with those that person or, or those multiple people on a daily basis? Are they going to take comfort in knowing that they're safe, that they're cared for, that they're respected, that they're encouraged, and, and that they're going to be in a position where they hopefully can succeed as well as possible? And that was, you know, that was ultimately what I dwindled down to. That's all I care about, the parents walking out, understanding and knowing. And I would flat out say it. I would just tell them that, you know, you have to be honest. You have to be genuine. We've talked about that before with with student rapport. But that is a message that I felt I could not convey anywhere as close to in person compared to digitally. And even with those follow up resources, when I would screencast and send the procedural stuff home, I would try to convey that message again. So parents would hear it or parents that wouldn't there 
or at least able to read it or see it in a video or or something along those lines. I think the with you saying that, I think what pops into my my head is the concept of balancing being honest and being uh, hesitant to embellish. I think that's a, a hard thing, especially as a newer teacher that I struggled with, is, you know, I can have a direct interaction with a kid that's not great, but make a parent think that it's better than it really is. I can do that pretty easily. But, and it, it can probably in the short term make for an easier year when I interact if I want to go through the path of least resistance, I don't have to talk about the challenging things their kid did or what I'd like to see from them. But at the end of the day, you're not doing your job in that role if you are backing away. And I was just thinking to myself, when you're when you're trying to emphasize, right, like you keep on talking about, hey, I want you to be on my team and I'm, I'm immediately thinking like, hey, I want you to think that I'm a great human being to be teaching your child. There's an aspect of that, sure, uh, completely. I want you to be excited that I was the one lucky enough to be your child's fourth grade teacher. As Mike Creed will say, a trivia trivia question for life, yeah. right? Yeah. But the main thing is... I want to establish a ability to have honest conversation. I don't want to be able to get on the phone and say, this is going to be a tough one. How can I be off of it in 30 seconds? Because it's really easy to do. Hey, they kind of did something that's not so great, but don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. I'm sure it'll never happen again. It's just a, a, a slippery slope. Um, because no one wants to hear about their child in a less than perfect way and or frequency but when you really kind of create that bond and that closeness it allows you to actually make the impact that you want to have and i i'm sure you have something to, to chime in related to that but i can see this time of year being very vulnerable when it comes to that choice and, and how you're going to interact yeah, and I and and I I think what I'm what I'm pulling from what you're saying is that you know you're going to have to be in those situations where it's a phone call home because of a misbehavior, or it's a phone call home because of you know a lack of work, or or doing something disrespectful to the teacher, or when you reach the point of conferences, you know the students not being where you want them to be, you know academically, behaviorally, whatever the case is. You're going to have to have challenging conversations with parents. And if you didn't take advantage of the opportunities to establish that trust and rapport, it's going to be so much more challenging. And you have very limited opportunities to do that with parents. You know, the school year gets thrust into, into motion and you're, you're totally focused on the students. And rightfully so, you're with them every day. So, you know, in, in your case, in your district, you have meet the teacher and you have curriculum night. And then you don't see parents again, most likely until conferences, you know, two and a half months into the school year. You know, maybe you see them at a, a fall event or, you know, whatever the case is. But to actually have that genuine conversation, 
you know, it's you really don't have those opportunities except for what you create for yourself through communication. And so, you know, the more you can actively be mindful of that trust and rapport, you know, it's the same. We've we've had every guest talk about trust, respect or rapport or relationships with the students. You know, that that parent piece is is just as important because it makes those challenging conversations so much easier. I mean, I can think of times where I probably didn't make the best decisions. And, you know, some of those challenging conversations were me calling to apologize to the parent because I, you know, I misread a situation or I thought I had all the evidence in front of me for some incident that happened at recess. And then the next day I find out more and it's the exact opposite of what I thought. And I have to call those parents and apologize for, you know, for, you know, punishing a student for something to do or whatever the case is. Um, so I've a hundred percent been in those situations and I've never left a phone call feeling as though it was a damaged relationship because I think the parents knew I was coming from a, a, a starting point of trying to do best by all students and their, and their child in particular. And so, you know, man, I really had none of this conversation planned as we, as we always do, but I, I just wanted to take the opportunity to really think about that back to school night, open house, curriculum night, whatever it's called, really try to say, what is the one thing I want these parents to remember about, about this classroom and this relationship that we're, we're trying to establish and not to, you know, speak negatively of your district, but even just calling a curriculum night, I feel like it's an already an uphill battle of, of what I personally would want to try to accomplish on this, on the, during this event with the parents. That's a good point, and and it's not a glamorous or fancy name or attractive name for it. It is focused on what the, the emphasis is, which is getting down to business. Um, but I, I think that what I would want to reflect on is that trying to be as calm in this situation as possible and non-rehearsed is another thing that I think is something to consider and that's really tough i know when i first started teaching i would envision how am i going to say this line on this slide that i created for instruction or when i built this for parents exact hi my name's mr rogers i am very like you practice and you recite that doesn't create comfort either the idea of comfort is being able to have conversations and being honest about it. And if you don't know something, not making it up. And I think that's another thing that's totally fine. Hey, we're going to figure it out. We're going to do it all together. All I know is that whatever I, I am trying to do, I believe is the best thing for kids. So w this tonight, I shared that we are doing two brand new curriculums and a new technology platform. Almost everything in my world is brand new. There are times that I am legitimately reading from a basil word for word because that's how I need to survive that lesson. It's not the most comfortable way I've ever felt teaching, but we're going to work our way through and create comfort and create what that classroom and environment is going to look like with that support of that collaborative experience between the kids, between the families, and hopefully between you. 
Yeah, I mean, if you if anyone wants a, a laugh or some inspiration of of embracing discomfort, they should go back and and listen to show thirty thirty two, where I talk about my first day of school and how I literally didn't even have desks or chairs set up for parents to sit in for for back to school night. A little um, oversight. That, yeah, that that is the uh, the epitome of of discomfort and and lack of preparation. Well, it was it was purposeful. It's on so purpose. I guess it was preparation, um, but yeah, I mean, just whether back to school nights already happened for you, you know, or conferences approach, or just when you have those opportunities to interact with parents, you know, just really try to think about what is the most important thing you want them to walk away with, because they're going to be on information overload. You know, as you alluded to earlier, they might be bouncing from, you know, two different grade levels, three different grade levels, one parents with one, one parents with the other. You know, there's there's a million different circumstances. So how can you communicate a, a clear, concise message that you feel is most important for parents to walk away with? It doesn't have to be the messages that we're saying, but try to kind of dwindle it down to that that one that one thing. And then what are materials that I can communicate afterwards, whether it's the day after or one thing one week, one thing another week? How can I spread out that information? So parents aren't on overload because they have their own jobs. They're raising their kids. They're, you know, that sometimes it's it's hard to forget or it's hard to remember that our classroom in that moment isn't the most important thing in everybody's world. And because it is for us and, it, you know, it's it's hard to remember that sometimes. Um, so just trying to keep all of that in mind again so that we can all work so that the students and the kids are as successful as possible because that's everybody's goal yeah and and with you saying that it just i just want to echo the parents that aren't showing up or even the parents that are showing up to be kind and and uh respectful may be totally fine with not knowing a single thing about what you're teaching they may be totally fine with that because you have either established trust, they have trust in the district, they've had good experience in the past with other teachers and, and how their kids have been treated. So that's a, a benefit. Or maybe we all unfortunately hear about times that we're hoping that this year is better than the past. That's a great jumping off point to say, no, we're going to make this year better than the past. doesn't matter if it was in this school, a different school, if they, they're going to move three times during the year. The time that they're in here, there's an authentic care and a desire for them to be here, be a part of it. That may all be what they want to hear because they've got many other things to worry about. Other kids, other responsibilities. I think you you brought it up perfectly um, that it's okay. It's totally fine. They're trusting you to be a professional and teach the heck out of the the content and curriculum and, and bring the best out of their kid. Absolutely. Is there anything for our final question for the night? Is there anything you did tonight that you would not do? Or is there anything you didn't do that you wish you would have done? So uh, I don't know if I would say awkwardly. Um, I got a message uh, from it's one of those things that when you think you have all your your items covered, like I had my slides a week ago, I had emailed parents a few days ago i emailed them tonight i sent home a flyer with the information i sent home 
reading about our programs, all of that. I didn't think about my ESL learners and how they could participate in that conversation. And it is one of those things that uh, ESL is new in our school, and I know it sounds ridiculous, um, but much like older school special ed, um, where they would kind of segment and, and send to off campus, ESL, because it was small in our district at first, was only in one building, and it wasn't my building. So only recently is it in our building, and it just continues to be my oversight. And to be honest, I, I have used translating software, but I, uh, I totally oversaw how can I create an accommodation for them to participate. I had a parent reach out. So what am I doing at 1030 once we're done this? I'm translating every slide I have and have a friend of mine essentially reading a script for me in Spanish so that they have that accommodation because they don't deserve to have any less of a presentation. Um, it's just an oversight of mine. So it's, it's those little details that, you know, I've been doing it 13 years and you would say, Hey, you should probably have your act together and have all of it figured out, but it happens to us all. You never the, will. The beginning of the year is a crazy, crazy time. Um, we're all doing the best we can and, and they're super gracious about it. Um, but it does, it does sting a little bit. I'm like, ah, I just, yeah, you feel bad and, and you know, you'll continue to improve in, in remembering to include that and everything, but it just, it circles back to when you're coming from a perspective of wanting to do best by their kids, they know you're trying to do best. And when you make those mistakes, they don't, they don't take it personally. They, they feel comfortable enough to say, Hey, Matt you know, or, Hey, Mr. Rogers, can you, can we get it in, you know, can you get it translated for us? And it doesn't become a point of contention. It just becomes a point of, yep, I'll fix it for you. And you fix it for them and they're happy. And that's all that matters. I will say one win on the, uh, the evening. I don't know if I've shared this, but I have a learner that's uh, joining me for a second year this year. Um, the family chose to loop and I assume it's a good thing. They liked me because they specifically asked that I'd be in my room again for a second year and they came again for curriculum night which i thought was fascinating um obviously there are new updated curriculums and um programs that we're using but they were invested enough to come back and essentially hear a very similar spiel over again and i was just very impressed by that attribute of um an invested family um gives you a ton of respect for those who did make it and and is really reassuring so um absolutely it, it's all it's all worth it i think yep. that it's one these are one of those days that when we look on the calendar we dread them um because we want to go home at four o'clock and we want to prepare for the next day or live life a little bit it ends up being one of the highlights of the the year conferences is always a highlight meet the teacher and these just seeing the kids and, and parents invested um, rival some of the best days we've had in our classroom because you leave feeling like everyone's connected and on that same direction and um, it may be an inconvenience to be there until eight o'clock at night but it's well worth it absolutely I 100% agree so 
yeah, so proud of you. I enjoyed this conversation. I always, I always appreciate how open and reflective and vulnerable, vulnerable you are with me and, and even doing it while we're, while we're recording for others to hear. So, um, why don't you, uh, why don't you get us on out of here, Matt? All right. I'm excited to power down this episode. Um, hopefully we left you powered up guys. Stay well. I know, uh, it's a little crazy, um, and, and ever changing. Take care of yourselves. Um, one thing I heard recently is we don't know what anyone else is going through and we need to recognize that um, for families, for you, for your admin team, they're going through quite a bit. So um, stay well, take time for yourself, be good, reach out to someone you care about, do something you love um, and help keep your mind right so that you can be the best version of yourself in the classroom. We'll talk to you next week and, uh, crush tomorrow.